Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 40. Many, Yahweh, my God, are the wonders which thou hast done, and thy thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Sacrifice and meal offering thou hast not desired. My ears thou hast opened. Burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. And then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy Torah is written within my heart. And I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. Yahweh, thou knowest. I have not hidden thy righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Thou, Yahweh, wilt not withhold thy compassion from me. Thy loving kindness and thy truth will continually preserve me. That sets the stage for our worship this morning. And let's continue to worship singing, Take My Life and Let It Be. Almighty God, the sovereign God who is King of kings and Lord of lords, nothing is beyond your control. So we ask for a miracle right now. There would normally be many people in this room and we would be worshiping together. And now many of them will be watching us on TV, not at this moment, but in your sovereignty we ask that you would knit us all together whenever it is we happen to participate in this hour of worship together. We invite you in, we invite you to do a miraculous work in our hearts that we will be drawn closer to you through your Son, our Savior, the King of Kings, and the power of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, O Lord. Amen. And amen. And again, I just want to welcome everyone who's watching us on TV. And now at this time, we will together here pray our prayer of confession. You have asked for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You asked for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you only a whisper that we might not be accused. You asked for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We closed them, for we not want to see. You asked for our lives that you might work through us. We gave a small part that we might not get too involved. Lord, forgive all our calculated efforts to serve you. Only when it is convenient to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so, 
and only with those who make it easy for us to do so. Father, forgive us, renew us, and send us out as usable instruments that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. And I think maybe now more than ever we need to take seriously the meaning of the cross. It will come out in our scripture today and in the message. God himself came to earth to live as one of us, to suffer just as people suffer, and ultimately to offer his life on behalf of others. And if we are his followers, we're called to do likewise. So this is a very important prayer. And let us not forget, I, I love the Apostle John. He's the only one of the apostles who lived well into his 90s. And one of his last letters, one of the last books of scripture, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And here's what I love so much above and beyond. This is God. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means we will become more and more righteous like Jesus and do his works here on earth ourselves. That's a promise, but it all starts with that humble, repentant confession. But when we do that, God is more than able not only to forgive us, but to take us above and beyond. Let's continue to worship the Lord, singing um, two songs about the Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, and come thou fount of every blessing. Amen. I just want to say a word about that English word, uh, Ebenezer. It's actually from the Hebrew, Ebenezer, which means stone of help. And you can find it in, I believe it's uh, Judges or Samuel, where it talks about the stone of help, Ebenezer. Um, and now we'll have the reading of the word. This morning's reading is Luke 24, verses 30 to 49. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And while they were, tell while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you doubt why do doubts arise in your heart? hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And, he gave, and they gave him a piece of a broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Now he said to them, 
these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Amen. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. And now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Three in one God, we thank you for giving yourself as the provision we needed so that we may come to repentance into the forgiveness of our sins. And when we are honest with ourselves, we know that we are ever falling short of your perfection. We are not naturally in your image. But worse than this, at times we deliberately choose to do something opposite to your will for us as you have expressed it in your word of instruction and guidance as to how we may live always enjoying your strong, life-giving, life-changing love. So again, we thank you for what your Son the King of kings and the Savior of the world has done for all people. He paid the price of our sins and rebellions. Even more importantly, my sins and my rebellions as he died on the cross. Selah, let us be silent to contemplate this unfathomable act of love. Then, after a full day of silence, he rose early on the third day to prove that his sacrifice for us is sufficient to all who repent. That is, when we turn from ourselves and our ways to you in your way. Your way is the Savior King. And all of us need a reason to live. So we thank you that we have been given the task of being witnesses to this awesome truth that we have just thanked you for. But again, we must confess that we are too weak for this task that you have given us. And so we also want to thank you for the gift of the promised Holy Spirit to give weak, flesh and blood like us, like me, the power to do your will and proclaim the gospel in words and actions to all people all the time. So in this time that our human leaders have asked us 
to live in physical isolation. We pray for wisdom from your Holy Spirit-inspired word. Empower from the Holy Spirit himself to do your will and to tell of the gospel by whatever media is available to us. Be it old-fashioned ink on paper, as John wrote about two millennia ago, a phone call, or by some kind of an electronic device from something as old as TV to laptops or even smartphones. And we intercede for people, for so many people, for medical practitioners that they may be cautious but without fear, for government leaders that they may be caring but not dictatorial, and for all businesses, especially the small, quote-unquote, non-essential, that they may survive. And more specifically, we pray for our president, his cabinet, and the administrative branch, for lawmakers, Congress and Senate, for judges from the Supreme Court to federal judges, that they may do their duty, may do their duty guided by you. We pray the same for our state governor and state legislature and for local courts, even right down to these offices in Greater Clinton. And we pray the same, the same three levels of government may be guided by you in every nation on the face of this earth. And please especially give to your people that you have called to a lifetime of being entrepreneurs, supernatural wisdom, to take the fear that has shut us up on ourselves and to transform it into productivity. But above and beyond all of this, um, we also just pray that you would give humanity a better understanding of what out-of-control viruses are and how to deal with them more effectively. But I've prayed all of this understanding that, and I've been in Ecclesiastes this week, Father, as you know. All of this is nothing. It is mere vanity. If we do not, each and every one of us, use this time to draw closer to you, may we open up your word and dwell in it. And may we let your word dwell in us so that we will be revived. Let us use this time productively in prayer and in your word. And Father, I just pray that as I preach this passage, that you would be speaking through me. First of all, to myself, Lord, I need to be transformed and also to all who may hear this message. It has to be from you, Lord. I do not have the wisdom in and of myself. So I trust that you will teach us from your word, each and every one of us, what we need to hear so that we can live lives more pleasing to you from this day forth. 
In realizing the imperfection of human prayers, we thank you that your son gave us all a perfect short prayer to pray that says it all. So with one heart and one voices, we pray right now saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And now we will sing one more song before we uh, dive deeply into the deep end of God's word. Number 154, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. Amen. A case could be made that the three days of Good Friday, Silent Saturday, and Resurrection Sunday are the three most important days of all time. Concerning these days, the resurrection of the Savior is impossible without his death on the cross first. And conversely, his death on the cross would have been ineffective without his resurrection. Both are necessary parts of the gospel good news of what God has done to reconcile people to himself and put an end to death and the consequences of sin and disobedience. Now the heart, the very heart of the gospel of these three days is the ransom death of Jesus. You see, way back when the sons of Zebedee came to him and they asked for special privilege to be granted to them when Jesus came into his glory, he asked them if they could share in his suffering and in his death. And then he concluded this interaction by saying, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many, for many. The Father and his Son, Jesus the Savior, worked out the plan of reconciliation through the death and the resurrection to show their mercy to sinners who are able to recognize their sin and then cry out, cry out for mercy, cry out for mercy from God. And Luke told us all of this in his gospel. So this is indeed the background 
for our passage this morning, which takes place at the very end of Resurrection Sunday, because for the Jews, a day ended at sunset. Now, many disciples of Jesus were gathered trying to make sense out of the amazing events that had happened since the dawn of that day when the women went to the tombs. And they want to believe that Jesus, the Savior, is alive. But this is just too good to be true. Now, as they're recounting to each other their stories about the day, Jesus miraculously materializes to them to make sense out of everything. And then after he's made sense of the day to them, he charges them. He charges them to carry out his mission to completion. But before they do this, he commands them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit to give them the power to do God's will for them, mainly to tell the good news to everybody. So I've started this morning, and I apologize, but we're in the middle of the precursor to this event. If you remember Luke 24, two of Jesus' followers were going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they were perplexed and discussing what happened, and Jesus came up alongside them, and he was hidden from them. They didn't know who they were talking to. And when they got there, he was going to go on, and they said, please, please, Come in and sup with us. And this is where we picked it up. Their eyes were opened after he took bread and broke it. And then they said, our hearts were burning as he opened the scriptures. So we're told in our passage, while they were reclining at the table... These two disciples that were journeying to Emmaus and got there, and Jesus was with them. Jesus blessed the bread and giving it to them. Their eyes were opened, and then he became invisible. So, this is the third time in Luke's gospel. The first two times were when he fed 5,000 people at once. The second time, the most important time, was when he changed Passover into communion, and they had the first communion, and now that was before Good Friday. It was just before he was crucified, and now he is resurrected, and this is the third time. And in all three times, Jesus did five things with a loaf of bread. First of all, while his followers, his disciples, were either reclining or sitting, so in the first and the third time, the 5,000 in here were told they were reclining. But when he instituted communion, they were sitting. A synonym is used. All three times he took bread. The same word is used. Right in the middle of it, the third thing he did was he either blessed or gave thanks for the bread. Again, with the 5,000 in here, it's blessed. The word is eulagos, which means a good word. But when he instituted the sacrament, 
he used the Greek word Eucharist, which means good grace. And the word grace has a double meaning. It can also mean thanksgiving. And, 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 and I learned from a very good Bible teacher that grace and gratitude are tied together and they express the essence of a right relationship with God. God gives to his people because God is a giver. But what are we to do in response? It's only right and fitting that we thank him. And it's interesting that the same word is used for both. Both the giving that God does and then our returning back to him, an expression of gratitude for his grace. And then fourthly, he broke the bread. Now there was a special word again used with the sacrament that he broke it into individual specific pieces and gave it to every one of those who were his followers. Uh, And then after he broke it, lastly and fifthly, he gave this bread. And it was the same in all three situations. So again, at this very last chapter of Luke's gospel, we see the unity of the whole gospel. Well, what happened here? It was a split second, but in a way it was an eternity. It says their eyes were opened and they knew him. And then this is mind-blowing. He became invisible to them. I mean, we should be startled by this. I don't know how many times we've read it, but this week as I meditated, I said, wow, how would I have felt? But understand something here, too. This is the divine passive. You see, a lot of times people say, where's God in the Bible? Well, he doesn't brag about himself. Things happen where we don't know who the actor is unless we know God. You see, they didn't open their own eyes of their own volition or of an action and all of a sudden say, oh, yeah, you're Jesus. No. God opened their eyes and revealed Jesus to them. That's the grace of God again. And then after this all happened, and again, he just became invisible to them. So they're startled when they recognize, oh, this is Jesus. And before they can even greet him or talk to him, he's instantly gone. So they're left with each other. And what do they say? Our hearts were burning on the road as he talked with us and open the scriptures for us. I couldn't help but think of Jeremiah. In fact, Debbie once got me a t-shirt of this very verse from Jeremiah. Let me summarize chapter 23 for you. After Yahweh describes the evil of his people and the false prophets among them, And then he talks about the whirlwind of his wrath that will come on their stubborn hearts. He compares his word to a purifying fire. He says, is not my word like fire, says Yahweh, like a hammer which breaks the rock in pieces. And now the stage is set for this final appearance of Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. In Jerusalem, the eleven told these two men, the Lord has risen indeed. And then, oh my goodness, Jesus himself stands among them saying, 
peace and startling them until he showed them his hands and his feet. So these two returned to Jerusalem. I like the way the New American Standard puts it, at that very hour. Well, Jesus had left them, but they wanted to go and make sure everybody knew they had seen him alive. So they found the eleven, but before they could even open their mouth, they're all saying at once, the Lord has risen and appeared to Peter. And then these two men reported, the Lord was made known to us in the breaking of the bread. So they returned to Jerusalem. And I love this too. I did a double take because I usually don't read this slow. To the eleven and those with them. May we never forget that from the early days of his ministry, Jesus had many followers, many, many Luke told us halfway through his ministry, Jesus chose 72 of his followers out of a much larger crowd. And then we have Luke telling us after the events of this resurrection day, there were at least 120 followers of Jesus that engaged in a 10-day prayer meeting. And then we find out from the Apostle Paul that sometime after his resurrection, between this day and when he ascended on the 40th day, he appeared to over 500 followers at the same time. God is a God who wants to multiply his people, not just add to them. So those in Jerusalem told these two men when they came, the Lord has indeed risen, indeed, emphatically, and appeared to Simon. And remember, Simon is the Hebrew name, and then uh, that means hearing, and Jesus says, no, you're going to be Petros, the rock. It's the same man. And when the two narrated what had happened to them on the way and how he was made known. Again, this passive, God revealed himself to them. Jesus revealed himself specifically to them in the breaking of the bread. So again, we come back to the breaking of the bread. Remember, Jesus is the bread of life. In one of the most important chapters in the Bible, John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. And that is the chapter where before it actually happened, he spoke about communion and the Eucharist. Then we find out that while they were all talking about this, Jesus stood in their midst saying, peace, and they were frightened. And he said, why are you all doubting? See my hands and feet. I am. I am. So, as they were talking on this, and they could have gone on all day, because on their own they were befuddled, he stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you all. So, they became startled and fearful. They were thinking they had seen a spirit. 
and it is Penuma spirit, but in our popular vernacular, we could say a ghost. They were spooked, okay? And he said to them, why? Why are you all troubled on account of doubts rising in your hearts? Look at my hands, my feet, that I am myself. He couldn't have said it more emphatically. This is the divine name, and it's literally, I, I am. And then he challenges them to see the evidence, again, of his death. I had said the most important thing he did was he died for our sins. The resurrection proves the validity. The resurrection is necessary. But someone had to die for our sins, and God didn't want us to die for our sins. So he made a provision, and he's showing them the evidence. See, the nails where they were in my hands, the nails where they were in my feet. And so... By his sudden, unexplainable appearance, again, he just materializes out of thin air in the middle of the room with a locked door, as we hear about elsewhere. He's saying, I'm alive. So just as he had suddenly left these two disciples in Emmaus, freaking them out, now these two disciples happen to get this double witness. They're with these multitude of disciples, and all of a sudden, poof, Just as instantly as he disappeared, he appears. He appears instantly. Okay, that was then. Let me challenge us because I had this thought as I was thinking about what happened here. How would we feel if the same thing happened to us right now in an instant? Now, I don't understand everything about the second coming But I submit, if Jesus were to suddenly be right in the midst of us here, we would freak out. We would just absolutely go, what? We would be in shock, just as they were. But Jesus didn't want to just shock them. He goes on to say that he has fulfilled all of Scripture. And then he said his suffering, death, resurrection, and oh yeah, also repentance and forgiveness of sins must be preached after you are clothed from on high. Let's look at this in more detail. Now that they're shocked and he said, no, it's me, listen, he reminds his disciples who are unable to overcome their unbelief, he has fulfilled all Scripture. So Luke just wants to make sure we get the essentials. He said, the joy and amazement of seeing their Lord alive left them still in unbelief. In other words, they still don't believe he's alive physically standing in front of them. Again, as I already said, it was just too good to be true. These things don't happen. So I love Jesus. He's very practical. He understands what physical, limited human beings need. He asks them for food, and they give him some broiled fish, and he eats it. No spirit could eat fish. So he's saying, yes, it's me. I have a body. You saw me eat. 
And then he goes on to say, these are my words. What I said to you all while I was still being with you all. So he's reminding them of what he had already taught them. All things written about me in Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, they must be fulfilled. Have you all heard the acronym Tanakh? Uh, Maybe because I read pointy-headed scholar books. But this is what Hebrews, what Jews today call, what we call the Old Testament, which is scripture. It's an acronym. And the Hebrew words are Torah, Nevi'im, and Kathavim. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. The Torah are the five books of instruction of Moses. The Nevi'im are the prophets. And you must understand that to the Jews, the prophets include historical books, what we would call Joshua in books like that, as well as speaking prophetic books such as Isaiah. And then the third division is the Ketavim, which means that which is written. And and many books are there, and you would be surprised of some of the books, but it begins with Psalms. It has all of the wisdom literature as well as all of the post-exilic literature concluding with the book of Chronicles. And what Jesus does is he takes each and every one of these individual books, 39 books in our English Bible, and shows them how each one describes him, how he is in each one. And then he told them to preach his suffering, death, and resurrection, and repentance to forgiveness of sins to all of the nations after being clothed from on high. But he starts out, and this is very important, this word opened is twice in our passage. He opened their mind to understand the scriptures, and then he said to them, this is what has been written. Again, Jesus, knowing our human limitations, and it was in my prayer this morning, first he had to do a miracle, okay? Left to ourselves, we misunderstand scripture, and we read it only through our distorted, incomplete knowledge. So what he had to do was a miracle of opening wide their minds and stretching them to places they had never been before so that they could receive his teaching. We can't receive the teaching of God unless God opens our minds to get us out of ourselves and our own errors of thinking to be able to think like God and to know God. And then he says the Christ, that's the Messiah, the king, had to suffer and then rise from the dead on the third day. And then finally to preach from his name a repentance into forgiveness of sins. Okay, And do it to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. This phrase repentance into forgiveness of sins is word for word identical to what Luke told us 
John began to preach. After he gives the introduction about Jesus' birth and all the genealogies and his baptism, we find John saying these very words. So here we have, again, a literary device. The truth, the important truth told in the beginning, repentance into forgiveness of sins. That's what Jesus was coming to earth for. John said it. Now Jesus is telling his disciples gathered, maybe as many as 20 people or more in a room, this very, very thing. But now this is your mission. This is your mission. Repentance unto forgiveness of sins. And here is a very important truth. Through Jesus' suffering and his death and resurrection, all people may repent into the forgiveness of sins. All people may be reconciled to God and remade in his image. We've sung about that this morning. Well, after saying that, here's two things again that are pretty mind-boggling for ordinary people like us. You all are witnesses of these. Now, these people were physical witness. We have the witness of Scripture now. And then, bottom line, he says, look, open your eyes and listen. I, I am sending what my Father has promised upon you all. But all of you all, you must stay in the city until you have been clothed from on high with power. And that's the last word of this passage, power. What's he talking about? Well, there is historical precedent. Back in 2006 and 7, I preached through Judges. And do you remember that Gideon, this little bitty man, the least of the least in all of Israel, God called him to do the impossible, that he would give his people victory over a confederacy of hostile, powerful nations. And what are we told The Holy Spirit came upon Gideon and clothed him in power. And you can look it up. So, what we have here is very strong language. What Jesus is saying to his followers is when they receive the Holy Spirit and his power, they can fulfill his word. His word given as his very last command to his people. To be his witnesses and to make disciples of the people of all nations. Now we may say, what can I do? I confess that I fall so far short in this very task myself. But we can do God's will if we receive his spirit. So let me just give you from three places in the whole Bible how the Holy Spirit gives power to witness to God's gospel in Jesus Christ. First, from the Tanakh. The most applicable passage, in fact, it speaks of the day we're living in, was through the prophet Joel. And God said that after he restored the land and he worked wonders, and this is a powerful word, 
in the original language. After he worked wonders for his people, he would pour out his spirit on all people, and men and women would prophesy. All people, men, women, young, old, and there will be wonders. The wonders of the gospel of Jesus through his church in this age before the great and dreadful day of Yahweh. That's the day when he comes to judge, to separate the sheep from the goats. We are living in this age, and here's the bottom line. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. And Peter preached this at Pentecost, which is coming up in May. But then, I love this verse I found in Micah. It takes power from Yahweh because what was the important thing that began and end what Luke was talking about? That sinners need to repent, right? Repent and get forgiveness. Well, it takes power from Yahweh's spirit to declare to people their sins. That's not an easy thing to do. But Micah talks about the Holy Spirit in chapter 3, verse 8. And he says, I'm filled with power, there's that word, and the spirit of Yahweh with justice and might. And then I love this fearlessly pointing out Israel's sin and rebellions. We can do it with the power and the love of the Holy Spirit. And then we have John's gospel. Oh yeah, by the way, I should say that with all this power of the Holy Spirit, I've already drafted the Vestry Voices article for May, and there will be much more. I can't even but scratch the surface this morning. In John's Gospel, in the upper room, at the last Passover, Jesus said to his disciples, they would receive the Spirit to remind them, basically the 11 apostles, of all he had taught them. Side note, that's how we got the Gospels in the New Testament, as they were reminded. And then... um, In John 15, I love this. Again, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And in the last two verses, again, he's talking to the 11, but it's for all followers of Jesus. He says that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and the Holy Spirit will testify to me. Thank God for that. But there's always a a covenant relationship and responsibilities because he says, oh yeah, by the way, you all too must testify. And in order to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. We can do God's will if we receive his spirit. One last word from Luke. He wrote a follow-up book called The Acts of the Apostles. And in the introductory chapter... He gives more details just before Jesus ascended back to the Father in heaven. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. Let us thank God for the Holy Spirit. It's very, very hard 
to be witnesses and to fulfill the Great Commission, but we can do God's will to proclaim the good news of Jesus so people can become disciples if we receive his spirit. So let me wrap this passage up. It's, and, and again, I must confess, I, I, I love the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I love God, but the Holy Spirit has been special to me, and you can read my testimony in the Vestry Voices. But at the end of an amazing day, as Jesus' disciples are trying to make sense of his resurrection, he comes to them miraculously. He opens their mind to understand scripture, and he charges them to preach as witnesses of repentance into forgiveness of sins. But before they go to the nations, they must stay where they are until they are clothed with power from the Holy Spirit. Because you see, God's will is that everyone know his Son, the Savior. And we can do God's will if we receive the Holy Spirit. It's true. And now... Because of this charge God has given us, let's sing as our closing song, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do, 538. I'm going to close with the words of the Apostle Paul to Christians in Rome. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? But just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Just remember this. The explosive growth of the church all the way until the fourth century happened without the Gospels in the New Testament. They were preaching from what we call the Old Testament. In fact, everything we need to know is probably in Deuteronomy and Isaiah, and the rest is just icing on the cake. So how beautiful are the sound of those who proclaim good news. Amen.